Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey, everyone, it's Real Life, Real Crime Daily for Friday, January 6th, 2023, and I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And y'all, this is actually the inaugural episode of Real Life, Real Crime Daily. We are going to be talking about the Idaho murders. And now, we want you to understand that we're not jumping on the back bandwagon at the last second like everybody else, or we're not trying to play internet sleuths and and all that stuff. And no, as a matter of fact, everybody was on the bandwagon, right. and we were shutting our mouths right. and just biding our time. Meaning that we have followed this since the beginning. For those of you who don't know me, I, have, I was a career law enforcement professional, and when I retired from law enforcement, I became a defense expert. Um, in law enforcement matters. And, of course, I have the Real Life Real Crime podcast in... Whoop, whoop. Yeah, right? <laughs> and Jim and I have uh, another successful podcast, Bloody Angola. Yeah, so I'm Jim Chapman. I am co-host of Woody on Bloody Angola and also co-host on Woody with Real Life Real Crime Daily, of which this is the inaugural 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 i'm gonna get that down one day y'all uh this is the inaugural edition of real life real crime daily and a little bit about me i've been a podcaster for five years now uh had a podcast called local leaders and through that me and woody developed uh, a brotherhood i would call it not a friendship a brotherhood and uh we wanted to do things together i started producing uh real life real crime and then always we want to do a podcast we started bloody angola together and has been love 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 from all of all of our listeners and uh through that we've developed other podcasts and one of those is what you're listening to right now now on the the law enforcement side of things no i'm not a law enforcement uh individual and i get asked that question believe it or not y'all almost every day someone says you're in law enforcement and i'm like no i was not have nothing but respect for those guys in law enforcement but i would consider myself a crime historian i I have studied crime since i was old enough to read almost and i always had this unique fascination with prisons and the criminal system and woody and i share something very similar which is the criminal mind 
absolutely fascinates yep. us. Always has, always will. So we're going to get into it and talk about what the entire probably world is talking about right now, and that is the Idaho murders. But we're going to give it to you from our perspective, which one thing we pride ourselves in is putting out factual information. That's why we held out so long. Right. That's exactly right. Did not discuss this in depth. We've been naturally following uh, the the murders since it happened. And, of course, I'm, we're going to get to to that in a second, uh, what I thought and what Jim thought ahead of time, and then finally while we're doing this today. But let's talk about, let's start with what happened on Saturday, November the 12th. The, there were four college students that were murdered, brutally murdered, and their names were Ethan Chapman, and he's 20 years old, Madison Mogan, who's 21 years old, uh, you also have Zana Kernadel, who was 20, and Kaylee Goncaves, which is 21, right? Saturday, November 12th, Goncaves and Mogan, lifelong best friends. Okay, these these girls have known each other since right. they were babies. Yeah. I mean, 9, 10 years old. Uh, they do what all 20-year-olds do. They went out to bars, and they went club hopping, like we used to do back when we were young, Woody. Yep. Uh, in downtown Moscow, and, you know, they were kind of putting a timeline together of how this stuff occurred, obviously, after the fact, but it was about 10 o'clock p.m. to 1.30 p.m. Those two particular ladies were seen uh, clubbing at a place called the Corner Club Bar, and then they went to a eatery that's like a food truck, that right. over, overnight food trucks. Right. Who knew those existed? That was about 1.40 a.m., uh, the duo was seen on video at the Grub Truck, a local food vendor, and used a private party for a ride home, meaning they called a ride with somebody else. And yeah, they, they got back home. They got an Uber, right. basically. And uh, meanwhile, uh, Chapman and Carnado, who were dating, went to the Sigma Chi house Saturday night. Yeah, so Sigma Chi, y'all, is a fraternity that is on every college campus. Yeah, the I'm, usually rich kids, even, what, even very that, wealthy kids. I, I'm a, a, a Sigma Nu alum now, but I was a double legacy Sigma Chi from, from both my brothers at LSU. Oh, were you really? Yeah. And, yeah, uh, LSU had a, so, has a legit Sigma Chi so fraternity the, over there. The, y'all, this is a college town, okay? And and my kids are this age now or just a little bit older, and I did the same thing back in my day. But the the Chapman and Carnado um, got, also got home around 1.45 a.m. Um, but Chapman did not live at the house but was sleeping over with his girlfriend. Yeah, so he wasn't supposed to be there is the point that we're getting at here. Right. Also, there were two other roommates um, who were in the house. They also went out in Moscow Saturday night and returned home by one yes. a.m. Everybody got home. Uh, there were six people in that house, and this was a three-story home. Uh, very important to mention that uh, uh, if you can picture any college campus, they have these these. Big, beautiful houses here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They're on Fraternity Row, and these are frat houses. 
very similar in size to that. This is like a million dollar home, right? right. But it's it's shared by six people, so right. the rent's cheap. Rent's, uh, rent's you cheap. know, I lived in a. <laughs> I did the same thing. Right? Yeah, when I was in college, I lived in a two bedroom apartment with six dudes, yeah. <laughs> and and so we paid like a hundred dollars a piece for rent right, or something right, like that. Right. That was fine. They also had a dog, y'all. Uh, uh, that was that was in the home at at the time this occurred. So they all go out. They get home. It's you know between one and two o'clock. Like we all get home when we go out at night, and uh, a lot of things took place. And I'll be honest with y'all, we've been following this case and working this case kind of behind the scenes for quite a while, uh, just on our own, just doing like everybody else did, coming up with theories and things like that. Um, but one thing we did not want to do, and before we go any further, we want to make comments on this is we did not want to a ever accuse anybody of something as heinous as the murder of four young people that had nothing to do with it or even raise an eyebrow in that direction so woody and i held off on giving our thoughts on this case and shout out to woody everton because i'll be honest i was wanting to put something out there i felt like you know look we talk about crime it's what we do and I and he said, Jim, we're gonna wait till the affidavit comes out and it's all accurate information. So, right. I also believe that the um, the whole world thought nothing was being done in the case, and and we're getting hit up with messages about it, et cetera. But I believe I was correct in, in the fact that they were actively working this, and they they like were holding their cards close to their vests. What happened was it, it, at some point it it became known that they were, these four were murdered, right? Looking at it in the beginning without doing like everybody else is doing and jumping on and accusing this person and accusing that person and accusing this teacher and all this different stuff. The I, I always felt from the beginning, I said a couple of things. And I told Jim, I said, listen, I, I would look, first of all, I don't believe that this person just, randomly pick this house and murder four people. It just doesn't happen like that. Secondly, I thought that that this person probably did not live in the town, although they had some type of interaction with at least one of the victims, and, and maybe they were spurned by them or whatever it may be. But, and when they said the stabbings, and you know, you kill four people with a knife. That's really doing something. It's personal, right? Woody. It's personal. And and they, I, I said at the time, I said, I bet you it was a K bar knife, meaning because uh, uh, they had said it was a, a large blade. Um, and I believe that I, I told Jim, I said, I bet, I bet it was a K bar because all the murders that I worked, where the stabbings were involved, um, people when you, when you stab someone violently, they the the assailant always cuts their hands, right? Because your hand slides down, you hit them with such force. Now, the K-bar was developed in 1942 for the military, and it's designed to kill. It has a seven-inch blade, Period. but it also has the the hand guard. So if you, it's, you know. It's like a sword. Right. Almost, yeah, right. Almost, small, small a, sword. A small sword. If, if, if a regular knife, if you stab and your hand's going to slide forward, this one has the hand guard, so you don't get injured. I mean, it's designed to kill people. There's um, one use. It ain't going to pump up your tire if you got a flat. The, the and I totally believe from the beginning that this person, 
uh, or people because uh, I I was a little perplexed that you could kill four people and 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 get away with it by yourself, but or kill four people. Period. Right. Right. With one of them being a male. I always believed that this was a a personal crime, like Jim said, and that this this assailant or assailants, but the assailant at least knew or had some type of personal interaction or connection, you have to be pissed off to kill four people. Now, that being said, going into a home, you don't go into a home at 4 o'clock in the morning uh, um, and start killing people, right? I believe that the person, that the killer went in, Looking for a specific victim and 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 began killing uh, uh, as he you know woke up whomever and it wasn't the right one. So that being said, that we we held off and we held off and, and been watching and following and following it and and wanted to do it, especially even after the rest. And we're going to get in all that. The the rest was made. We wanted to do it, but then, then when. Jim and I agreed to wait on the affidavit, which would have more pertinent information. And we're going to start talking. Well, it had facts. And one thing, uh, uh, just to hammer this point down is there was a lot, a lot of people. Look, I was right there with y'all. I was watching the video of the guy at the pizza place and thought he looked weird hanging out behind him the whole time. And, and, you know, surely, surely this guy had to have something to do with it. They had a lady that was on TikTok accusing a teacher at the school of this heinous crime. Uh, the lady is suing her, and rightfully so, for defamation of character. Uh, those type of things, that's dirty, y'all. That is dirty. And it, it we have to remember as people reporting this stuff and put talking about these crimes that we are implicating people every single time we say a name. And that's bullshit. You don't ever say someone did something and not have all the evidence in front of you to even back up the claim. Now, sometimes you can say my thought is this person was involved, something like that. But some of these people were coming out and saying, here's your murder. Right, here's your right. murder. And, and and ruining those people's lives. Absolutely. Right? And meanwhile, the true killer was getting off on it. Uh, right. And, and, and certainly they were following it. And there's even the thing that you know, somebody's trying to say this one guy on Reddit was uh, the killer interjecting himself and, and, and all this stuff, or whatever, all speculation. But let me digress for a second. I know Jim and I's thoughts on this is we absolutely, our hearts break for these families and for these victims. Totally break. I have kids close to this age. I Woody have, has kids close to this age. 24-year-old, 22-year-old, 21-year-old. And, you know, the, the it could have been my daughters or my son, right? And it's and so horrible. we pray for these families. It's a, it is that, you know— it's unfortunate that I mean it's horrible that this happened, but it's unfortunate that the the whole world's galvanized around this case and um, because and sensationalized because of these four young people in the prime of their lives and the best years of lives college and 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 you know living their young adult lives or or 
brutally taken from their families. Well, and I'll say this. I think that's what makes us different. Woody Overton is uh, we're doing a live pretty soon and we're going to be talking about some victims in that right. live. And our, our goal always, when we go into any story or any, anything you will ever hear out of us is to highlight and do justice to the victims right. of that story and expose those individuals that are the wrongdoers. Right. And let me tell you this, y'all, the, I mean, people following the story and everything else and, and uh, it's sensationalized, but I think truly people forget that these four young people were human beings who have mamas and daddies or brothers and sisters or whatever. They were loved, right? And, and they were real breathing human beings who were brutally murdered. You know, kids, man. Right, kids, right? Kids. One thing with me and what do you like is, look, I picked up my first uh, book on a serial killer at the age of nine, and I can tell you the name of the book. It was A Stranger Beside Me by Ann Rule, and I was hooked ever since on The Criminal Mind, and that was the story of Ted Bundy. And when I when I researched this guy after the fact, I said that's Ted Bundy made over his 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 scenes in court uh, that they're showing so far. He has the same attitude. Right. His eyes are big as saucers, just like Bundy's. And, and smiled at his defense attorney. Yeah, when he got, that's in the sick. Let me tell you something. If I'm up for four death penalty charges, I'm not smiling at anybody. No, right. And I'm not and, even looking up. I'm so ashamed. The, um, but it all goes back into. This person, and you, you know, I will go out on a limb and say that I, you don't just start killing four people, right? The I think there's other things that are coming to the light in his past. Oh, I also said this that I believe the guy was either ex-military or you said that right, 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 uh, law enforcement or something like that. And, and we're going to skip around a lot on this even before we get into the affidavit because. The, the facts that come out about the killer are that um, he was picked on in high school. He was heavy set, and uh, the, a group of girls specifically picked on him and rode him pretty hard. Then he oh. wanted to become an Army Ranger, so he starts working out in high school. He drops the weight. They've got a picture of him doing push-ups and, and, and all that, and, but guess what? He couldn't make it. I said that too. It, I mean, it might be uh, 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 someone who couldn't make it in the military or as a police officer. And well, guess what? He imagine he, why he, he also tried to join one of the departments and couldn't get in. Right. So then, what does he do? He goes on to study criminal justice. Not only is this cat narcissistic, I, I, I bet you. It's going to come out. He's psychopathic. You know, we've been waiting for this affidavit to bring this story to you. And me and Woody recorded for several hours some upcoming stuff that y'all are going to get. And the whole time we're looking through our cell phones, hoping this affidavit would come through so we could bring you what you've been asking for. And sure enough, about uh, six o'clock, I, I shoot Woody a text and I said, you won't believe what I got. It's springtime, boys. The grass is green, the birds are chirping, and the kids will be out of school soon. That makes it the perfect time to plan a family vacation. And we know from the stories we cover that this is not exactly the time to take the family to the Caribbean. You don't want to end up in the middle of some cartel drug shootout. So this year, it's time to take an international journey. And of course, a big international trip is just one reason 
to learn a new language with Rosetta Stone. You might have a different one. Maybe you want to connect with family or friends living overseas. Maybe you want to acquire a new skill for work or better understand a certain culture. Rosetta Stone has helped me have fun with my mother and at least have partial conversations in Italian after only a few lessons. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and many more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways. No English translation, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. Intuitive process, you pick up a language naturally. Designed for long-term retention. Speech recognition. The true accent feature is like having a personal trainer for your accent. Rosetta Stone is convenient and an amazing value. That's right, Woody. A lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Real Life Real Crime and Daily Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Sayonara. Shout out to Astro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. My allergies are throwing my whole morning off. Do I sound different to you? <laughs> I love that. You sound like, <laughs> it's that time of year, though, bro. I sound different to me. I feel like I'm in a submarine. Yeah, well, have you tried Astro Pro? It's faster, bro. Oh. Right? Astro Pro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Hey, I use this, and you should too, Jim. Last weekend, I planted my garden, and it's that time of the year, and my allergies really kicked up with it right i use astro every time my nasal allergies flare up and i'm always amazed at how fast i'm back in the game down on those rows playing my stuff get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with astro go to astroproallergy.com for a discount so you can astro and go today a-s-t-e-p-r-o allergy.com Com. It's faster, bro. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. <laughs> and and we read forwarded it, it to read it immediately, and we decided instead of coming in at 9 or 10 this morning, we were, <laughs> at, we were here at 5. At right? 5. And, and uh, y'all, this is chilling. It is unbelievable what we are about to read you. And afterwards, we're going to give some comments on how well the the police department, the FBI, the state police did in keeping this all from becoming public. But once we're done, you're going to realize why we never read this case ahead of time. And uh, so, Woody, before we start reading it, it might be a good idea to explain to them what an affidavit is. An affidavit, let me, uh, that's a great point. See, uh, 
this affidavit, and I know most of y'all have read it by now, I can guarantee you, first of all, this is not all that law enforcement has, okay? This is only an affidavit to the, uh, that states the probable cause to arrest this killer. The probable cause is 50% plus one. That's, that's not beyond a reasonable doubt, okay? So they don't have to show all their cards yet. And, and I, I guarantee you, I bet you a million dollars, they have a ton of more stuff that they didn't put in the affidavit. Now, why? Because it's still an ongoing case. And, and after arrests are made and stuff like that, you're always going to keep investigating, keep trying to get uh, gather more evidence. But the this original affidavit is just enough to get a warrant signed by a judge for four counts of first-degree murder and, and four death penalty charges. Yeah, so, and if you're curious as to why it took so long after his arrest to get this affidavit, just to explain that real quick, uh, when this when this asshole was caught, he was in a totally different state, 2,500 miles away from where the crimes were committed. Now, the state where these crimes were committed was Idaho. In Idaho, they have a law, and that law states that in order for you to issue a an affidavit of probable cause, for an arrest and actually make that arrest, that gentleman, that asshole in this case, has to be in the state. He can't even read it as the accused until he's in the state. Right. So, and, and, and I'm a, we're going to keep calling call him an asshole and killer, but his his name is Brian Koberger. All right, and I'm not going to use it a lot because I don't want to give any credence to him. Yeah. but y'all, he's an so asshole. When, when we say asshole or killer, uh, um the accused, whatever, however we define it. His real name is Brian Coburg. He's the only asshole in this story. Right, right. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Yeah. So uh, we're going to get to how they arrested him, but he was in another state, and they could not uh, issue him the affidavit of probable cause until he was in the state of Idaho. That is their and, state and, law. And then, so they can't issue it to the public either. And he had to waive extradition. Yes. To, to the state. And the only reason he did it, y'all, is because he's a psychopath and he wants to know what the cops had against him. He's and he's thinking, narcissistic. He's thinking, I, I committed a perfect crime. I'm getting my Ph.D. in criminology. I did this. And we're going to read you some of the stuff in the affidavit. And he was smart. But guess what? There's no such thing as the perfect crime or the perfect murder. You will always leave evidence okay and in and, his case it was a big one and, and but, but this guy is getting his phd in criminology and he's specializing in how to uh uh catch people using the you know the latest electronic means and all that well guess what he does he and we'll get into it in a minute but he tried he used he thought he was covering himself perfectly and 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 Yes, and I have some comments to say about that at the end. But right. we're going to get into it. This affidavit, when I read it, I was very impressed. And and I've written a million of these myself. Uh, the I can assure you that this was a collaborative effort, effort between numerous law enforcement agencies. But Brett Payne is, is the corporal uh, that from the Moscow Police Department who actually – Signed and, and was on the affidavit, okay? But this is one of the most impressive affidavits that I've ever read. And, and remember, this isn't going to be all of it, y'all. But this is, they want to make sure when they came, they came correct for them. And the, this, there's more than enough probable cause. And again, 
Now, if this this affidavit was all they had, they'd be screwed. And I'll tell you about that at the end. But the blow information is provided by Brett Payne, who is a duly appointed qualified acting peace officer within the county of Latow, state of Idaho. Brett Payne is employed by the Moscow Police Department in an official capacity of corporal and has been a trained and qualified peace officer for approximately four years. Corporal Payne is being assisted by members of the Idaho State Police and the agents of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Okay, y'all, that that's the opening shot right there. The judge is going to read this. That in case of standard judge, procedure, right? And in case the judge didn't know who Brett Payne was, they want to let the judge know, hey, Brett Payne's legit. And uh, even though he only has four years on the job, he's being back. And assisted by he's the most the famous police. corporal in America right, right, right now. Hey, you know what? To, let, to let this so. guy run with it, being four years on the job and on on the most sensational case, probably in a long time, a long time, uh, and a sad sensation, but it is the so. But anyway, on November thirteenth, twenty twenty two, at approximately four o'clock p.m., Moscow Police Department. Sergeant Blaker and I are now that, that y'all when it says and I this that's gonna be His uh, Brett Payne's words. Sergeant Blaker and I respond to eleven twenty two King Road, Moscow, Idaho, hereafter the King Road residence to assist with the scene security and process some of the crime scene associated with four homicides. Upon our arrival, the Idaho State Police forensic team was on scene and was preparing to begin processing the scene. MPD officer Smith, one of the initial responding officers to the incident, advised he would walk me through the scene. Officer Smith and I entered the King Road residence through the bottom floor on the north side of the building. Officer Smith and I then walked upstairs to the second floor. Officer Smith directed me down the hallway to the west bedroom on the second floor, which I later learned through Zana's driver's license and other personal belongings found in the room was Zana Kernoddle's hereafter Kernoddle room. Just before this room was a bathroom door on the south wall of the hallway. As I approached the room, I could see a body, later identified as Kernoddle's, laying on the floor. Kernoddle was deceased with wounds which appeared to have been caused by an edged weapon. Also in the room was a male later identified as Ethan Chapman, hereafter Chapman, Chapman was also deceased with wounds later determined. The autopsy report provided by Spokane. They stop it there, and it says redacted, and that's going to be probably because there's some evidence in there that they don't want out yet. Uh, um, they're they're going to follow up on, but the it was something, the something to do with the the autopsy report. Okay, might have been the pictures. I wonder, Woody. Uh, the I. It could be that it could be uh, blood spatter or different DNA blood types are found or whatever. It could be that um, fucking Koberger's shit, but we'll, we'll find out. But we're going to tell you when when there is a redacted stamp underneath something because that's important that right. they left something right. out they, of that. They left it out on purpose, and and I can assure you that is for investigative purposes. That uh, they're either following up on something, or they—it's information that only the killer would know. All right. So it says I then followed Officer Smith upstairs to the third floor of the residence. The third floor consisted of two bedrooms and one bathroom. The bedroom 
on the west side of the floor was later determined to be Kaylee Gonclave's room. I later learned from a review of Officer Nunez's body camera. There was a dog in the room when Moscow police officers initially responded. The dog belonged to Guy Claves and her ex-boyfriend, Jack DeCour. I found out from my interview with Jack DeCour on November 13th, 2022, that he and Guy Claves shared the dog. And that's very important, y'all. The dog was in a room by itself. Uh, according to family members, that dog was always in the room with Gone Caves, whether she was in somebody else's room or not. Right. Um, Officer Smith then pointed out a small bathroom on the east side of the third floor. This bathroom shared a wall with Madison Mogan's hereafter Mogan Mogan bedroom, which was situated on the southeast corner of the third floor. As I entered this bedroom, I could see two females in a single bed in the room. Both Gone Caves and Mogan were deceased with visible stab wounds. I also later noticed what appeared to be a tan leather knife sheath laying on the bed next to Mogan's right side when viewed from the door. The sheath was later processed and it had K-Bar, USMC, that's United States Marine Corps, y'all, and the United States Marine Corps Eagle Globe and Anchor Insignia stamped on the outside of it. The Idaho State Lab later located a single source of male DNA using the suspect profile left on the button snap of the knife sheath, and that's very important. Right. As part of the investigation, numerous interviews were conducted by Moscow Police Department officers Idaho State Police Detectives, and FBI agents. Two of the interviews included BF, I mean, y'all, you use initials to protect these people, uh, included BF and DM. Both BF and DM were inside the King Road residence at the time of the homicides and were roommates to the victims. BF's bedroom was located on the east side of the first floor of the King Road residence. So just to ca- just to catch you up real quick, the officers walk in. They find four deceased individuals and two on the first floor that are still alive. Now, based on numerous interviews conducted by MPD officers, ISP detectives, and FBI agents, as well as my review of the evidence, I have learned the following. Here it goes. On the evening of November 12, 2022, Chapin and Kernodal are seen by BF, one of the living individuals, at the Sigma Chi house on the University of Idaho campus at 735 Nez Prince Drive from approximately 9 p.m. on November 12th to 1.45 on November 13th. Pay attention to those times. BF also estimated that at approximately 1.45 a.m., Chapin and Kernodal returned to the King Road residence. BF also stated that Chapin did not live in the King Road residence, but was a guest of Kernodal. Right. And Gonclaves and Mogan were at a local bar, the Corner Club, at 202 North Main Street in Moscow. Gonclaves and Mogan can be seen on video footage provided by the Corner Club between 10 p.m. on November 12th and 1.30 a.m. on November 13th. At approximately 1.30 a.m., Gonclaves and Mogan can be seen on video at a local food vendor called the Grub Truck at 318 South Main Street in downtown Moscow. The Grub Truck live streams video from their food truck on the streaming platform Twitch, which is available for public viewing on their website. 
This video was captured by law enforcement, a private party, blank. Redacted. Right, redacted, protecting them, y'all. Reported that he provided a ride to Gonclays and Mogan at approximately 1.56 a.m. from downtown Moscow in front of the grub truck to the King Road residence. Now, and one thing we do want to say, and look, one of the advantages of, of me personally doing this podcast with a former homicide detective is, as, as a detective, Woody, I would assume you start from the last people to see this person alive and Absolutely. work your way backwards. Right. You want to establish a timeline of what they were doing that night, where they were, uh, and, of course, as – seen in earlier stuff everybody's jumping on videos and all that stuff non-trained investigators people have never worked a homicide in their life jumping on all this stuff but yeah you're going back you're establishing a timeline and all this even it it, it can't even really be called circumstantial evidence at this point they're just simply establishing the timeline to what led up to what we're about to tell you. And you can guarantee that that Uber driver or whatever it was, was interviewed. Oh, yeah. Uh, so DM and BF both made statements during interviews that indicated the occupants of the King Road residence were home, were at home by 2 a.m. Very important. So they're all, all at home at this time and asleep or at least in their rooms by approximately 4 o'clock a.m. This is with the exception of Kernodal, who received a DoorDash order at the residence at approximately 4 o'clock a.m., and law enforcement identified the DoorDash delivery driver who reported this and information. you better believe they sweated him pretty hard, too, or him or her pretty hard. All right, so DM stated she originally went to sleep in her bedroom on the southeast side of the second floor. DM stated she was awoken at approximately 4 a.m. by what she stated sounded like Gon Clay's playing with her dog in one of the upstairs bedrooms, which were located on the third floor. Four o'clock. Right. At a short time later, DM said she heard who she thought was Gon Clay saying something to the effect of, there's someone here. A review of the records obtained from a forensic download of Carnoodle's phone showed this could also have been Carnotal as her cellular phone indicated she was likely awake and using the TikTok app at approximately 4.12 a.m. Now, if y'all could see me right now, I'm goosebumped to death. Right. This is where it's, it's finally coming out. And, you know, we will never know if that was a TikTok app that was saying there's someone here. Right. I don't think so. No, I, I think either. one of them saw him hiding somewhere. That's total conjecture, or, but or just my thought down the hall or, or something like it's that. It's awfully convenient. Right. Right. But you know that that's a chilling moment. Chilling. Well, because you know, they're at home. They, they got the door dash delivery at four. Um, they hear what it appears like somebody playing with a dog. Well, I don't think, too many people are playing with their dog at four, after just shortly after four a.m. in the morning. After going out drinking at, on, right, right, you know, and having fun. At, but they hearing something, and we know that Carnoodle was on her phone on TikTok at at, at four twelve a.m. So DM stated she looked out of her bedroom but did not see anything when she heard the comment about someone being in the house. DM stated she opened her door 
for a second time. And I want you all to kind of try to picture this. It's pitch black. She opens that door when she heard what she thought was crying coming from Kernado's room. DM then stated she heard a male voice. Holy shit, y'all. A male voice say something to the effect of, it's okay. I'm going to help you. Yeah. All right. Now, listen, the <sighs> uh, whatever deity DM prays to, that, and, and it's, it's going to continue. Uh, um, I always teach people, if, if you get that little feeling or you feel like something's wrong, that's whatever deity you pray to is trying to cut you a break. Now, she's already heard uh, uh, what she thought may have been the dog or and, and, and uh, someone say there's someone here. Then she, she it, it bothers her, them to, uh, or her to a point where she actually gets up and looks out of her bedroom and she doesn't see anything after she hears the comment about someone being in the house. But then she it bothers she hears the crying and she opens the door a second time. Gets out of bed, right? Gets out of bed again. Now, and this, uh, and this is y'all. This is after four o'clock in the morning. She gets out of bed and she hears, "It's okay. I'm going to help you." Oh why? God, why would oh anyone need help? Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success here we go y'all at approximately 4 17 a.m a security camera located at 1112 king road a residence immediately to the northwest of 1122 king road picked up a distorted audio of what sounded like voices or a whimper followed by a loud thud a dog can also be heard barking numerous times starting at 4.17 a.m. The security camera is less than 50 feet from the west wall of Kernodle's bedroom. And it had to be close to pick up the sound, right? But the the um, the loud thud of vo- voices or whimper followed by a loud thud. And a dog barking. And then the dog starts barking. Now, why? I mean... I have numerous dogs, right? They're the best 
alarm system in the world, and they also know when something's wrong. So, DM stated she opened her door for the third time after she heard the crying and saw a figure clad in black clothing and a mask that covered the person's mouth and nose walking towards her. DM described the figure as 5'10 or taller, male, not very muscular, but athletically built with bushy eyebrows. The male walked past DM as she stood in a frozen shock phase. The male walked towards the backsliding glass door. DM locked herself in a room after seeing the male. DM did not state that she recognized the male. This leads investigators to believe that the murderer left the scene. So many things to say about this, y'all. First of all, this is information just released. Both of the two things we just told you, nobody knew that a security camera picked up sounds from the bedroom. Nobody, certainly nobody knew that this guy had eyes on him. And I want y'all to, it's very important that we stop and we picture this. You're on the first floor. You've you've heard enough things that you're you're curious it's what's okay, going I'm on. I'm here to help you. you. Somebody playing with the dog. Somebody's in here. Crying. All those sorts of things. She goes, she Three looks. times. Peeks down the hallway. It's it's dark, y'all. All the lights are out. And she sees a figure walking up to her with a freaking mask on. Right. Walks right past her, and she is frozen. So she's standing in the doorway as he walks past her. I would venture to say she's not moving. She's not breathing. She might even have her eyes halfway closed, scared, because, y'all, let me tell you something. All he had to do was look to his left or right, whichever side she was standing on, and she would be dead. Absolutely. You kill four, you certainly kill a fifth. You're not going to leave. the. Dead people can't get on stand and testify you have bushy eyebrows. Now, we we have to address this, Woody, before we go any further, because I know what every single person out there is thinking right now, which is exactly what I was thinking. Why then did she not call the police right away after all this has happened and she saw a guy walk through with a mask? The, the, The true answer for me is I don't know. The only thing I do know is this was considered a party house. And, and, you know, like we all partied at certain people's houses when we were younger. And you just don't tie that into somebody got killed. They had alcohol in their system. Uh, So, I mean, I've been drunk and and blown a lot of things off that were weird. I think that uh, I think that more about this is going to come out. The um, the certainly. Nobody, you know, being a party house or whatever, but the nobody thinks that four people have just been brutally murdered upstairs, even though they heard crying, even though they hear the dog barking and all that stuff. She still, a dude coming out with a mask covering your mouth and nose, that's fucking pretty damning. But, and, but and it's hindsight is always y'all absolutely. because I, I certainly think if this girl had known what happened, she would have picked up the phone and called the police. Absolutely. But we can't answer why she didn't go up there and check on him. We can tell you, and and that she stated that she got up 
three separate times because she felt something was wrong. Yes. Right now. And she sees this dude. I bet you there's more coming out. Remember y'all, I told you this is a probable cause warrant or affidavit. The, they're not going to give show their full cards because for a lot of reasons, it's active ongoing investigation of trying to gather uh, as much information as they can. It's, it's a death penalty case. And, they're not going to give this asshole any more information than they have to. Remember, I told you there's no perfect crime. There's shit that he fucked up. And and one of them is leaving DM alive. Yes. And so. She, and she went in fight, flight, or freeze. When she sees him coming down the hallway, we don't know. Uh, I, I firmly believe he didn't see her. He'd have killed her. Right. But she's not saying. She, she, she She's not. She, she didn't say. She saw him carrying a knife, dripping with blood, or anything like that. Or we don't know that yet, right? Right. right. But so, the but the question will always be: He had a mask on, and it's right, not right. Halloween time, right? Right. Right. Uh, we don't know, y'all, and we're not going to throw accusations right. or, or conjecture. I don't know we're, if we're it were me. Out. I'm a fight kind of guy. I'm not a flight or a freeze kind of yeah. guy, and I. Of, Naturally, I'd have jumped on the guy that said, "Who the hell are you in the house?" But anytime, and I'd probably be dead. Anytime <laughs> your your brain feels threatened, uh, that your your body's going to automatically go, your physiology automatically goes into fight, flight, or freeze. And and it's you know, no one is everybody's different. Uh, uh, um, she froze, and I think it had she run, had she played it, she'd be dead. Had, had she, she fought, fought she would be, be dead. dead. So again. She did the Whatever right thing. Deity was watching out for her, cut her a huge break. But Amen. I bet you, I bet you, as this case going goes on, and we'll update you in the future on it. Oh, that yeah. that we're going to find out more information about DM and what she saw and why she didn't call immediately. Yes, and and one last thing on that point uh, to keep in mind, folks: every room in this house had its own keypad lock, right. and they did not know each other's passwords right. to their doors. Right. So or pass keys so even if she would have went up that those stairs to check on them uh she couldn't get in the door yes right. she could have banged on the door and then figured out nobody's coming to the door maybe she would have seen something on uh, the second or third floor blood or something like that um she knows something but she couldn't one thing she did know i can't get in the room if i wanted to right but it's also um after i mean Come on, man! The guy in the mask. There's going to be more that's going to be come out about this, and, and and we'll leave it at that. But she knew enough that something was wrong enough to get up three separate times, and then she sees the guy. But I, I bet you a million dollars more. Remember, this is just enough. They're putting just enough information in here to build the to case arrest for him. probable cause, right? Yes. So the combination of DM statements to law enforcement. Reviews of the forensic downloads of records from BS and DM's phone and video of a suspect video as described below leads investigators to believe the homicides occurred between 4 a.m. and 4.25 a.m. Yeah, and we're going to get into the, the that. The during, during the process in the crime scene, investigators found a latent shoe print. This was located Boom. during the second processing of the crime seen by the ISP forensic team by first using a presumptive blood test and then amino black and protein stain that detects the presence of cellular material. The t- detected shoe print 
showed a diamond-shaped pattern, similar to the pattern of Vance-type shoe sole, just outside the door of DM's bedroom located on the second floor. This is consistent with DM's statement regarding the suspect's path of travel. Now, stick with me on this one. This, y'all, this means there were bloody footprints, okay? That's what it was tested for. That When they say latent shoe print, well, guess what? Uh, I, I mean, my college houses were dirty, uh, and but it wasn't so dirty. You're gonna have shoe prints walking through it, right? And and it, <laughs> it, it, the, the the very fact that they tested it um, using a presumptive blood test and then amino black uh, a protein stain. So that basically what they're saying, without saying it is, is a bloody footprint or print found right in front of DM's door where she was standing, and she saw sees him. So that tells you she's telling the truth. Absolutely. And, and not only that, uh, just to expand on that, that evidence in and of itself is virtually worthless without knowing who the guy is. And the reason for that is right. every college kid on campus has a pair of vans. vans. Right. Hell, I got a pair right. of vans. Right. I've, been out, I've been out of school a long time. But if you have a suspect, it is Beautiful evidence because you can tie those shoes into that suspect. Right. And especially if you get lucky enough to recover the shoe uh, uh, at some point. And, and I'm sure they're doing the DNA testing on, on, on the, uh, the the shoe prints, et cetera. And, but I would suggest you it's, it's probably just victim's blood. And to tell you how important prints are, whether it's shoe prints or tire prints, we did a story on the serial killer Sean Vincent Gillis on the Bloody Angola series, and he was caught by tire prints. Exactly. So the old school police work right, right there. Right. So as part of the investigation, an extensive search commonly referred to in law enforcement as a video canvas was conducted in the area of the King Road residence. This video canvas was to obtain any footage from the early morning hours of November 13, 2022, in the area of the King Road residence and surrounding neighborhoods in an effort to locate the suspect or suspect's vehicles traveling to or leaving from the King Road residence. This video canvas resulted in the collection of numerous surveillance videos in the area from both residential and business addresses. I have reviewed numerous videos that were collected and have had conversations with the other MPD officers, ISP detectives, and FBI agents that are similarly re- reviewing footage that was obtained. A review of camera footage indicated that a white sedan here after suspect one vehicle was observed traveling westbound in the 700 block of Indian Hill Drive in Moscow at approximately 3.26 a.m. and westbound on Steiner Avenue at Idaho State Highway 95 in Moscow at approximately 3.28 a.m. On this video, it appeared suspect vehicle one was not displaying a front license plate. Now, it's important to mention that in Idaho, they have a law where you have to have a license plate on both the front and back of the vehicles. Right. That the, the advantage to that from a law enforcement perspective is that no matter which vehicle, the which way the vehicle is facing, you have access right. to get those plates. However, he did not have a front license plate. Most definitely removed it. Right. That right there in and of itself is suspicious. Right. 
So one other thing we want to point out with this is in the difference between how cases are solved now and how they were solved. And, you know, when Woody Everton was working, uh, detectives now are great, but I tease a lot of times and I say back when Woody was a detective, they were real detectives. And I don't mean that they're not now. What I mean by that is it's a heck of a lot easier to solve a case when you've got a video canvas where you can actually track a and car. Everybody's got a, a ring doorbell video and you got stoplight cameras and all that. And we didn't have any of that back in my day. Yeah, there's a lot about uh, in this affidavit about the routes in the video um and we're going to touch on some of there are several pages y'all of them following him doing this video canvassing pretty much from 4 20 in the morning on and we're not going to read you all of that because it's going to quite frankly it it might get a little uh long for you so what we're going to do is we're going to skip forward to how they came up with the vehicle and that is something else in this case that is very important real quick they the the just to end it they got the suspect vehicle leaving uh, um that area and arriving uh in Pullman, Washington, which is approximately 10 miles from Moscow, Idaho. And both Pullman Pullman and Moscow are small college towns. So that's how they kind of tied it into the two colleges. And there is like one road to describe this, that all uh, it was very common for these two colleges to travel back and forth here in Louisiana. Back to bars. Yeah, absolutely. Here in Louisiana and in the Baton Rouge area, we have LSU. Uh, probably about 30 minutes away is Southeastern Louisiana right. University. Guaranteed, every weekend, people from Southeastern are and driving to Tigerland. And, and LSU goes to Southeastern on Thursday nights. Yeah, yeah period. So uh, so this is common. The police know that. And there is a specific road that, that they travel on to go back and forth. He went down this road uh, the entire way. They're so, able to follow the, – the, they're able to follow – what's became known as suspect vehicle one this route that route which will become very important later on now this is intriguing and and we're going to pick it up here if you want to read the other other stuff we're going to link uh we're going to link the actual affidavit to this to this audio but in the description now After reviewing the numerous observations of suspect vehicle one, the forensic examiner initially believed that suspect vehicle one was a 2011 to 2013 Hyundai Elantra. Upon further review, he indicated it could also be a 2011 through 2016 Elantra. As a result, investigators have been reviewing information on persons in possession of a vehicle that is 2011 to 2016 white Hyundai Elantra. Now, why that is so important is I did not realize they have investigators at the FBI that are their sole purpose at the FBI is to determine year makes and models of vehicles. Right. And and that's, you know, crimes, uh, whether you're transporting drugs or murders or whatever, people have to get from point A to point B. But this guy has a long history, over 35 years of doing it, et cetera. And it's very important that, that they narrow it down to this, and especially when suspect one's vehicle went back to the other college town. And so then they start running plates. Yeah. So they, they, they start their investigation. If you'll remember, it wasn't too long ago, 
Uh, as a matter of fact, it might have been a week before he was arrested. They even released that they knew that the suspect was in a 2011 to 2016 white Honda Elantra. So they were given access, the investigators, to the footage on the Washington State University campus located in Pullman, Washington. A review of that video indicated that at approximately 2.44 a.m., this is important, on November 13th, 2022, a white sedan which was consistent with the description of the white Elantra was observed on WSU surveillance cameras traveling north on Southeast Nevada street at Northeast stadium way at approximately two fifty three, which is consistent with the description of a white Elantra. So basically what they're doing is that's what time he left his house to go kill these right. beautiful and, uh, people. And then later on, then they, you know, like we told y'all, they tracked him back to Pullman, uh, and approximately 5.25 a.m., a white sedan, which consistent with description, suspect vehicle one was observed on five cameras in Pullman, Washington, and on the WSU uh, campus cameras. And so y'all, uh, they basically, they tracked him all the way back. There, he's residence. coming back home after right. the murders. And at 5.27 a.m., he was uh, observed on cameras traveling northbound on Stadium Way at Grimes Way Stadium Drive. So yeah. they basically have him going all the way back to that university. There's certainly an, an hour's difference of time, and it's only 10 minutes uh, away. I would, it's pure conjecture on my part, but I, w- I would expect that he did something with um, evidence in, in between. He made a stop uh, uh maybe to clean up right to clean up or get rid of evidence the knife or whatever it may be november 25th uh, 2022 mpd asked area law enforcement agencies to be on the lookout for the white hyundai a bolo uh, be all right a, bo- a bolo be on the lookout for the white hyundai and a washington state um university pd officer actually came to find out that they, they, they went to look at all white hyundais ever registered and turns out they're on uh, their campus on their campus so the vehicle was registered to a brian koberger and it was approximately three quarters of a mile from the intersection of stadium way and cougar way they they actually picked up this vehicle again and found out where the location was the same day at approximately twelve fifty eight a.m Washington State University officer Curtis Whitman was looking for a white Hyundai Elantra and located a 2015 Elantra at the Pullman parking lot apartment complex that houses WSU students. So I want to I want to make a point here, and that is shout out to these uh, these police officers of these college campuses that were actually pulling records. They're working this thing. Woody Everton was a Southeastern Louisiana University police officer. And uh, I don't care where you work. You know, these guys were doing FBI-style surveillance. They were driving all over the campus looking for this vehicle. And uh, all of them did a great job. They had the vehicle returned to the area, suspect vehicle returned to that area. Um, Certainly, evidently, there wasn't a camera of him getting out of the uh, where he got out of the vehicle, et cetera. But they found the vehicle registered to Coburger, and they knew he lived. Uh, they pulled his driver's license picture. It, you know, he's six foot, weighs 185 pounds, and he has the bushy eyebrows. 
Um, his physical description was consistent with the description uh, of the male that DM saw inside the King Road residence. Now, the the next thing we want to mention, and and we'll we'll uh, we're going to skip through a little of this right. because it gets redundant. But let me tell you something. He, you know, he may have been a, a student and uh, seeking his doctorate in criminal justice, but this guy was no driver. That's for sure. He must've got pulled over 20 times for speeding and, and following too close in between when he was caught and the, the time in which he committed the murder. I mean, you can go through and read through that y'all, but he was pulled over like for speeding. It must've been 20 times. And they have this on record on a couple of them to get him out of the way that, um, his father came and, and they drove across country and they got stopped like two times within 15 minutes. This is on record. And, and for, for following, following too close, close. And, and the excuse was we were talking about, you know, a SWAT thing in, in the state of Washington or whatever. And the, and the Back, point of, let me say this, the point I'm, we're trying to make with that is you're not too much of a brainiac if you've killed four people and you can't even watch your speed. That right. is an arrogant son of a bitch right yeah. there. Wow. You kill four people and you are so convinced you got away with it, you're not even worried about speeding or getting pulled over or following too close behind people. That ought to show you right there the arrogance of this guy. Well, the, 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 I agree. Uh, um, certainly to a certain extent, but let's talk about real quick uh, the after the murders within, I, think, I believe it was five days, Jim, correct me if I'm wrong, he actually switches the registration on his car. Well, his re- registration, yes, he does. He switches it from the state that his parents lived in uh, to the state that he lives in right. for and, college. And that's that's not a coincidence, y'all. That, that is him thinking he's smart. Hey, I'm, I'm outsmart him. They, if they have the license plate, Pennsylvania plate, then I'm going a, I'm to a register to Washington. So it won't, can't come back to the same car. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Moving, moving along in this, investigators believe that Koberger is still driving the two, 2015 Wada Launcher, and this blew my mind, y'all, of all the things I read. 
because his vehicle was captured on December 13th, 2022 by a license plate reader in Loma, Colorado. The Elantra was queried on December 15th by law enforcement in Indiana. On the 16th of December at approximately 226, he was found in Albertsville, Pennsylvania on surveillance video. So they actually have cameras that will alert when it picks up license plates it, only because the license plate has been entered into the, the computer system and in these cameras that read these plates automatically send the location and this is a vehicle that that you wanted us to watch out for so they start researching him and based off of information provided by washington state university's website he was currently a phd student in criminology at washington state pursuant to records Provided by a member of the interview panel, they learned that Koberger's past education included an undergrad degree in psychology Mm -hmm. and cloud-based forensics. These records also showed that Koberger wrote an essay when he applied for an internship with the Pullman Police Department in the fall of 2022. Koberger wrote in his essay he had an interest in assisting rural law enforcement agencies with how to better collect and analyze technological data in public safety operations. He also posted a Reddit survey, which can be found as an open source Internet search. The survey asked for participants to provide information to understand how emotions and psychological traits influence decision-making when committing a crime. Y'all, this is no different than uh, killers or serial killers injecting themselves into their own investigations. Uh, This guy is, I guarantee you, he had a fascination with killing uh, or crime, and he's uh, going in and learning all the best stuff and his wanting to help smaller departments. That's bullshit. He, he's gaining knowledge for what he's ultimately going to do. I'm going to prove that to you here in a second. The, uh, he wants to know how to circumvent and what the latest tools are law enforcement's using. And, and he even wants to understand how they think. That's right. So, now it now it gets really interesting because you're going to see some of the side of Koberger that was the thinking side of this asshole. And on November 13th, so the nights of the murders between 3 and 5 o'clock, these police now, they're in the cellular uh, section of this investigation. So what's the what's the first thing you would do after you've got a suspect, you, you're relatively confident that he committed the crime now you're gathering evidence the first thing you're going to do is go to cell phone records you start checking towers see what is pinging off of that sort of thing so you can establish and prove that he was in an area where that crime was committed right november 13th 2022 between three o'clock and five o'clock a.m after determining Koberger was associated the elantra and the phone number investigators reviewed search warrant returns a query of the phone in these returns did not show the phone was utilizing cellular tower in proximity of the residence between one o'clock and five. And that, that simply goes back to he knows to turn his fucking phone off, right? And, uh, he, or put it on airplane mode. Put it on airplane mode, and he didn't. He did it. He did it, and he did it deliberately. But yeah, that you know, 
his defense will have a field day with that. Say, oh, it wasn't even there, but that's bullshit. He knows how to do it. He he's had the training and the experience and and in this technology, he he turned it all. But where he fucked up is when they go back and they dig into cell phone records historically for this cat. <laughs> he didn't turn it all. The other twelve times he was near that residence in the month and a half before the murder. That's exactly right. Which goes to show he had some type of personal connection with one or more of the victims in that house. He surveilled it. He was there. Whatever, if it was a fantasy he's acting out, whatever it may be, one of them may have, you know, told him, hey, go shave your fucking eyebrows. I'm never going to be with you. You're a dirtbag. Whatever it may be, he was there by the King Road residence. 12 times at least in, in the month and a half before the murder. And he wasn't smart enough to turn his fucking cell phone off then. That's right. Right? So we're, Great detective work. Great detective work. And uh, so we're going to just give you a quick little timeline on that. If you want to read about all the, the cell phone pinging and everything, again, we're going to link uh the the actual affidavit to the description of this audio but we're going to bring you back to that night and we're going to read to you as they're following the white elantra on these cell phone pings now approximately 2 47 a.m the 8458 phone number that's his stops oh. working on the network or stops reporting it turns off this is consistent with either a phone being in an area without cell coverage the connection of the network is disabled, such as putting the phone on airplane mode, or the phone is turned off. Or he could have left it somewhere else. Yeah. Right. The 8458 phone does not report to the network again, so important, y'all, until approximately 4.48 a.m., at which time it is utilizing cellular networks that provide coverage on Highway 95 South, of Moscow near Blaine, Idaho. This y'all, that's the same route that they've already established the, the white Hyundai took. So if I'm a detective, I see this phone go off basically at 2:47 a.m. Right. I know that the murders took place between four and four thirty, and at four forty eight, the when, phone comes when, back on when it's in on the that, morning. When it's on the interstate, headed back towards. Yes, in the morning. Now, at 4.48 in the morning, you don't work the next right, day. Right. You're going home. Where the hell have you been? Right. So that right there, to me, I'm like, this is him. Uh, uh, so very important and great de detective work there because you have to get search warrants for every single time that you pull someone's phone records. Absolutely. And, and I mean, it's not easy to do this. Uh, AT&T and them don't give them up easily, I can assure you. But to go back in and establish that timeline uh, it's huge to go back and establish that he uh, was that phone the 8458 phone was at at or or right close to the residence 12 times in the month and a half before the murder is huge huge and the fact that it was turned off at 2:47 a.m. and put back on at 4:48 a.m. the night of the murder is put huge. back on on the route back to his residence yeah so uh, at this point, at this point, y'all, these detectives are saying we got our guy. Right. He's he he is he is dead to rights. We've we you know they're still waiting on DNA shit, but in their mind, they and I have to agree with them. They have some pretty damning evidence 
of circumstantial nature here. Right. Pretty well, not the, yeah, circumstantial, but the DNA, um, that would be direct is, is the, the DNA on the K bar knife sheath, even though it was alleged to be his father's, but why, it's familiar DNA. why, why, that's right. Why would that DNA be inside the murder scene by the dead bodies? Now the, 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 crappy thing about all that y'all is it you know it is obvious to me that this guy did this but uh you know the defense attorney is going to try to say things like well you know someone stole his knife sheath yeah yeah, Uh, you know that you want give me one more second uh, we'll punch the defense holes in it so on december 27th 2022, Pennsylvania agents recovered the trash from the Coburg family residence located in Alwright, Pennsylvania. That evidence was sent to the Idaho State Lab for testing. On December 28, 2022, the Idaho State Lab reported that a DNA profile obtained from the trash and the DNA profile obtained from the sheath identified a male as not being excluded as the biological father of the suspect profile. At least 99.9998% of the male population would be expected to be excluded from the possibility of being the suspect's biological father. Based on the above information, I'm requesting an arrest warrant, da 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 da. All right, so to Jim's point, all right, remember y'all, this is just probable cause. I guarantee you they got a bunch more. But it's they, still uh, probable cause. This is still 50% plus one. Oh, there's no right, doubt. Right. You, and, 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 the judge that signed the warrant, uh, I, I he dead ass got it right. This this corporal, dead ass got it right. The people that the all the law enforcement agencies that helped in this investigation, uh, tracking them across the country to the the cell phone uh, records to the FBI identifying the vehicle, great work, absolutely great work. But guess what, people, it's not over. They are not going to arrest this cat. No, they arrest him on probable cause, but they are not going to arrest him just on probable cause. They know they have a case, but they're playing the cards close to the best. Flip side of it is, yes, the uh, a defense attorney, one of the reasons they're playing it close to the best is because they don't want the defense attorney to get too much ammunition too far ahead of time uh, before it's a total, total slam dunk. But, yeah, they can say – uh you know, his daddy did it or you know, left the sheep in the bed or somebody planted it on him. You know, the, uh, a lot of people have bushy eyebrows. Uh, a lot of people drive white Hyundai Elantres. Um, his phone, you know, he a wasn't lot of people wear here, bands. Right, yeah, right. A lot of people wear bands and all that. I submit to you they have a hell of a lot more than what they've released. Yeah, and what they have so far is pretty damn. And look, it's it's in and of itself, every single piece of that evidence can be explained away. But I would submit to you that when you put it all together and all of it fits one individual, that individual is screwed and tattooed in a lot of cases. Um, I have no – reading this uh, affidavit – I personally have no doubt that this guy did it. And the cell phone records for me were the slam dunk. The DNA was the double slam dunk. 
Uh, it's just too uh, much of the, a coincidence uh, to be a coincidence. DM seeing, uh, hearing everything, and then seeing the bushy eyebrow. And yeah, then, you've got someone on the, the scene that described footprint. it. I bet you they're going to come back. The bloody footprint's going to be the same size as this asshole. The um, there's going to be so much more. The even though the K bar knife is designed so when you're brutally stabbing somebody that you don't cut yourself, I still be surprised if he doesn't have some DNA. Although you know what. There had to be a lot, a lot of blood. And I'm not trying to be gore. I'm just, just It was so much that you can detective. pull up pictures of it leaking out of the house. Ha, really? Yes. Uh, I'm coming from a homicide detective's mind. When you have that much blood on the scene, then the blood of the suspect blood and the victim's blood will get mixed together. And you can't – look – you can't just attain a DNA profile from anything like a mixture of the blood, whatever. Sometimes yes, but uh, most of the time no. But they are going to come back, and they one of the things they're going to do is now that they have. I'm sure uh, they're going to try to question him, and I'm sure he's going to tell them to go pound sand. I got a lawyer, right? Because he's smart, remember, and he knows the system. And he thinks he's going to be there or whatever. Um, they're going to try to question him. They would, they would try to lock him into the statements of, have you ever been inside the residence? Well, no. Then, you know, that's, I'm sure, again, I'm sure he's refusing to talk. But they've got more stuff, y'all. And But this is great work. It's and great work. Shout out to all those people that did it. But I'm going to, I'm going to go back to the victims. It is an absolute tragedy that this psychopathic asshole, for whatever reason, and I'm telling you it's going to come back, um, one of them shot him down at some point or did something to offend him, they, or that maybe one of them he was attracted to, they, they called his eye or whatever, and he started following. But 12 times the, uh, before the murder, he was there at least doing surveillance or – he could have been there visiting. We don't know. Uh, uh, but he's got shit to answer for. And the death penalty, you know, people, all these people that say they're against the death penalty, me personally, I don't care what you believe. Me personally, I'm for it. This guy took four beautiful young people off the face of this earth and destroyed so many hundreds of lives of people that love these victims. And he doesn't deserve to breathe. And, uh, Incidentally, if you're curious, Idaho does have the death penalty. That's right. And and part, me personally, I believe it should be given to you the same way that you got it, right? And they shouldn't just put a needle in your arm and put you to sleep. I think somebody should let, let the fathers in there yeah, and yeah, the with, mothers. With K-bars. With K-bars. Yeah, and, 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 but you know what? We're going to keep you updated on this. Yeah, and, um, and I want to say one more thing. Uh, you know, we didn't cover how he was arrested, so oh, yeah, they yeah. had all this evidence, and uh, he decided to travel across country. Um, now, this is this is a strange situation, but people um, are going to want to know about this. Eh? But I'm going to I'm going to unpack this for you. His dad, okay, they lived in Pennsylvania. His mom and daddy, and that's where he grew up, or whatever. His dad flies to his town, and they kind of take a road trip together. They drive the twenty five hundred miles. Yeah, I was about to say that's a long fucking way. It's a long way, and and yes, you know, a lot of people are saying 
first of all, a lot of people came out and said, I think the dad knew about it. Right. Um, uh, whether he knew about it after the fact, I don't know. I can tell you this. I can tell you this. There are some families out there where they don't see their kids a whole lot. And I could see as a father, as a father of someone that, you know, close to that age, um, I could see me saying, you know what? I'm going to fly down there and take a ride back with my son. We're going to do a road trip. That's not impossible. It's not impossible. And, 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 you know, we don't know their relationship. We don't know if they really had a lot of time they could spend together growing up. Maybe his dad just missed his son. Well, we don't know if he gave him some bullshit excuse. Yeah. Uh, to come ride with me. Yeah. My car's I, acting funny. I don't want to get stuck funny. by myself. I'm, I'm, I'm I, or I'm sick. I don't feel good. I need whatever. Fuck. Uh, but, I can tell you this, when his dad was in the courtroom, right. when they were releasing this affidavit, his dad was looking at him with the same look that the parents the of these beautiful young people that he killed were looking at him. It was a look of absolute disgust. And, you know, I don't know what it, whether his dad knew about it, didn't know about it, but I don't believe it. Hindsight, which is 2020, after the long road. Uh, ride twenty five hundred mile ride or whatever it is back. If he, I would expect that he's he, um would cooperate in some way. Now, if uh, the if they think he had any type of involvement at all, they're going to charge his ass accessory after the fact or whatever it may be or obstruction, what whatever they charge may be, and they would do that just to get the dad to testify against him to as to what he knows. But I I don't think the dad. It's very strange, but this this cat strange. I don't think the dad had anything to do with it. And and I'll say, and he, he, now he's probably thinking, "Oh fuck!" So you can go out on the limb, y'all, and throw out this out there that you don't start murdering four people with a K bar knife. Now they're going to be digging through this cat's whole entire history, anywhere he's ever lived, any unsolved murders. Or uh, this crime doesn't appear to be sexual anyway. He didn't, he didn't take the time to do that. There's no um, evidence of sexual assault. The so it's something different, and we know he was picked on by girls in high school or whatever. But they're going to tear this dude's life apart, and they're doing it as we speak. And in everywhere he's ever lived, um, they're looking at you know cold cases, DNA or whatever. I would be very very shocked. If he doesn't come back and catch another charge from somewhere, a hundred percent. And uh, I think that's where we're going to leave this. Yeah. Uh, look, just real quick, real life, real crime daily is going to be coming at you three times a week: Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. It will be all current information. There'll be some different formats depending on the day, but it's going to be current crime all the time. And, and, uh, absolutely, and we're going to. Keep you updated on this case as it develops, and in uh, this the next episode we're dropping, with you know it's a pretty important case, a, a absolutely important case, and but at, it's going to be these are going most of them are going to be ongoing cases, and so on future episodes of Real Life Real Crime Daily we're going to update you again. Absolutely, the yeah. hottest topics. From Woody Overton and Jim Chapman's view. And it's going to be released under the Real Life Real Crime umbrella. Right. So you, if you're listening to this, you already know it. But it'll be uh, wherever you get Real Life Real Crime. Real Life Real Crime is not going anywhere. Nope. nope. It'll still be pl- you, you get your weekly drops. Uh, every, every Tuesday, you're still going to get your weekly drops. Uh, we're just bringing you a lot. Right. 
of what, you call content. A, a, a companion show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I I think it's important. I mean, all these years I've been doing real life, real crime, and everybody wants me, uh, whether it's Gabby Petito, whoever, every time uh, uh, something came up, they say, you know, the national cover said, they asked my opinion on it. But Jim Chapman, being the researcher, the historian, the yin and my yang, and, and me just being me, we put it together, Real Life, Real Crime Daily. We hope you enjoy it. Uh, please share it and like it and, and, and all that good podcast or stuff we're supposed to say. Yeah, and today we're going to drop this super fast, so it's going to be lightly edited. So if you hear yeah, something yeah. in there that Jim Chapman might have missed, don't worry about it. Future episodes will be right, right, <laughs> more, right. better edited, this, but we're getting this it to was you now. We came in at five o'clock this morning, and we, and and we wanted to get to y'all. We love y'all. Thank you for listening. Appreciate you. And I'm Woody Overton, Jim Chapman, and we're the host of Real Life, Real Crime Daily. Real life, real crime, all the time. Peace. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.